Well, hello there, Jacob's Well Podcast. Thanks for checking us out this week. False teachers, unethical leaders, false prophets, abusive people who are in leadership, especially leadership in the church. How can we recognize them? How can we avoid them? What should we do about it? That's what this message is all about as we finish up our series in the book of 2 Corinthians by talking about worth it to confront. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. Yeah, right? We are part of something amazing. We are part of something that is a worldwide, history-shaking movement called the Church of Jesus Christ. And, and yeah, man, it, and this weekend, the Church of Jesus Christ is meeting all over the world. It's meeting under palm trees in exotic locations. It's, it's meeting in churches that are cathedral-like and traditional. It's meeting in churches like ours that are more contemporary. And, and it's meeting in places where people have to meet in hiding. Because if they get caught being the church, they risk everything just to take that stand. This is a movement that started at the hands of Jesus and through history has been doing just amazing things. It's been bringing salvation. It's been starting hospitals, establishing schools, bringing justice, freeing slaves. The church of Jesus Christ is an awesome thing. And, and every now and again, we just need to remind ourselves that although we're a local expression of the body of Christ and that's super important, we are part of the greater kingdom of God and the church of Jesus Christ. Now, I say that at the beginning of this message, because a lot of what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of you know, critical of that. But, but the truth is, is that we need to understand that Jesus told us some things were going to happen. He, he made some promises. And what he said is he said that as my church goes forward, and as my church establishes the things that the church is supposed to establish, truth and justice and hope and salvation, all those things, there are going to come along people who are evil who are manipulative, who are twisted, who are mentally unwell, who will want to use the power of the church, the the strength of the church, the goodness of the church. They want to use people's faith in a twisted way for their own profit, for their own position, for their own greatness. And and the church will have, at different times, false prophets, false teachers, and unethical leaders. And, 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 and it's amazing, actually, when you start looking at the scriptures, because almost every book in the Bible has a section, has a verse, has a passage that warns us about false shepherds, false prophets, false people, false unethical leaders. And, and so we as a, as a church and as individuals need to take a step back and say, wow, well, what does that mean? Who am I supposed to listen to? Who am I supposed to trust? Are there people who I'm letting have influence in my life now that maybe I should actually take a step back? And what we're going to find is that when you do a careful study of the passages about false teachers, you're going to see that the Bible actually uses great clarity about how you can identify them. Let's take a look at a couple things, starting with the teaching of Jesus. Jesus started this when he said, beware. Beware, beware. And so that's Jesus saying beware. When Jesus says to beware of something, you ought to beware of it. And so beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. That is to say they look like us. They talk like us. They know what motivates us. They know what's important to us. They know what we believe. They know what's precious to us. They know that we stake our life on what we believe. And they will use that and twist that and manipulate that. 
He says, beware, they're, they're in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, because it's all going to be about what's going on in the heart. And, and here's the thing, say, how do you know what's going on in a person's heart? Because eventually, Jesus talks about this a lot in a lot of places, what's in the heart comes out in the life, comes out in the words. That which is whispered in the hidden place is going to be shouted from the rooftops. That which is not going to be known is going to be known, okay? So, 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 so eventually, you're going to be able to see what these people are all about, and I'll show you that in just a minute. But inward, look at this. They are ravenous. What a powerful word. Ravenous wolves. That is to say they came to eat and to take and to destroy. He says you will recognize them, okay? So there's a way to recognize them by their fruits, so what comes out of their mouth? What comes out of their life? What comes out of the people who follow them? Uh, are they people who create toxic environments, life-giving environments? Do they bring life and health and peace? Do they set people free? Do they empower people? Or do they control and manipulate and tear people down? Take a look. Jesus goes on. He says, are not grapes gathered? Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? He says, listen, if you've got a thorn bush, grapes aren't going to grow from it. If you've got a bad teacher, false teacher, person with bad motivation... Bad things are going to grow from them. Eventually you'll see it. Or figs from thistles. He says you're not going to get fruit from something that's not a fruit-bearing thing. Look at this. It's very important. So every, look at this. Healthy tree, healthy tree. What we're looking for is healthy leaders. We're looking for healthy leaders. Because here's, here's the truth, particularly about unethical leaders. People fall into all kinds of unethical behavior. What causes that more than anything else is that you have a good person, a good man and woman doing, trying to do good things, and all of a sudden, they get unhealthy. And, and here's something you need to understand. I want to say something to every person here who's in any kind of leadership capacity. You may lead a company, you may be a teacher, you may be a coach, you may be a parent. If you are a leader and you have some kind of position, some kind of authority, understand, this is just a principle for life, your leadership works against your health. Because being in leadership puts pressure on you, and there's always more to do, there's always more to, and and listen, perhaps the most important thing you need to understand as a leader in any kind of environment is that your main first responsibility is to care for yourself spiritually, emotionally, relationally, because when you get unhealthy, you get dangerous, you say, I would never do, I could, yes, you will. When you're overwhelmed, when your back's against the wall, when you're exhausted, when you've been hurt, when you've been disappointed, when there's one more thing to do, when you can't do what you got, and you find yourself in an unhealthy pattern without rest, without perspective, without friends, with isolated, you can become one of these dangerous people. Okay, we're going to say more about that. So every healthy tree bears what? Good fruit. And so you want to be a person who bears good fruit in your environment, in your leadership, that's true in the church, true of everywhere? Well, start by being a healthy person. Because if you're not a healthy person, the people who follow you are not going to be healthy because this is what's going to happen. The healthy people are going to call you on it. And if you are become a toxic leader, you're going, to, you're going to not listen to them or worse, you're going to attack them. You're going to tear them down. You're going to isolate them. You're going to minimize them. Or, or, and, and then they, you know, they're, healthy people are going to go away. They're going to say, you're not safe, and they're going to leave you alone. Okay? And then the unhealthy people, that is to say, the people are going to just say, oh, you're awesome, you're great, I'll do anything. I'll be as sick and twisted as you are. Just please love me. You'll be surrounded with people like that. Are you hearing me now? And so when you're not healthy, healthy things can't come from you. Okay? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. Look at this. But a diseased or a sick tree. And we can get, listen, good people can get overwhelmed, they can get sick, they can get burnt out, they can get whatever, and that can lead. And you have authority, you have power, you have position. This can be as simple as being a dad or a mom. You can become someone who starts producing bad fruit. That's why the first person you need to care for spiritually is yourself. 
That's why Jesus, when he prayed his great prayer in Matthew, in John chapter 17, he started praying. First person prayed for was himself. Did you know that? That's why you're constantly seeing Jesus go away to a quiet place, slipping away, bringing his disciples over here to rest because he needed to recenter on his father so that he had to stay healthy. If this is true of Jesus, maybe you should quit trying to get by trying to do healthy things in an unhealthy way. He goes on, a healthy tree cannot, cannot, everybody say cannot, cannot bear, uh, cannot bear bad fruit. If you're healthy, you're going to bring good things. Okay, so the priority is health. Nor can a diseased tree or a sick tree, if you're sick and wrong, bear good fruit. Eventually, it catches up to you. And what you say starts changing, how you act starts changing, how you treat people starts changing. And all of a sudden, you're doing things that I never thought I would do that for people, this environment, and this organization that I love so much. And so Jesus gives this strong warning about about. Uh, false teachers. He goes on, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire, thus you will recognize them by their fruits. He says, eventually, if you do the unhealthy thing, you crash and you burn. It might look at your family, it might look at your business, it might look at your team, it might look at whatever it is where you have influence, where you have power, where you have authority, which God may have given you to have because someone needs to have it. If you do it in an unhealthy way, you can become a dangerous person, and eventually you go down, and a lot of people can go down with you. See, this is why a lot of people say, I don't want to be a leader, because they recognize this, and that's not a good thing. Some of you are leaders who are sitting on the sidelines because you're afraid. It takes courage to step and say, I'll lead that group, I'll lead this organization, I'll start that business, I'll do this thing, I'll take up that challenge, because that struggle gives you meaning, and some of you are created to be leaders, Okay, but you got to do it in a healthy way. I started another sermon there. I stopped before I got too far. <clears throat> now, now, look what Paul says. This is another teacher. The Apostle Paul, he, he wrote an Acts. He's writing to one of his favorite churches, the Church of Ephesus. He says this. He says, I know, I'm certain, guaranteed, that after my departure, after Paul, the Apostle Paul leaves, fierce wolves, fierce wolves, okay? People who don't care about you, don't care about the organization, don't care about the church, don't care about the good. They have another agenda and it's selfish and it's evil. Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Because the flock is not something to be shepherded, protected, empowered. The flock is something to be used. It's something to be taken advantage of. And so he says, that's going to come. And we see that all the time. We see attacks outside the church, right? You know, a couple years ago, we as a church had to take a stand on what marriage was because our culture is attacking what marriage is and what healthy sexuality is. And, and so, so we came back and said, no, no, this is who we are. This is what we believe about God's design for marriage and sexuality because from among us, we we're getting all kinds of attack, kind of crazy confusion, and our flock, our families, our marriages were, were not being spared. And, and so, so we understand that these attacks come from among us, uh, from, from uh, around us. But watch this. He goes on to say, and from among your own selves. That's him saying, and he said, some of you, some of you who are here, who maybe signed up in the right way, in the right way, in the right motivation, you're going to get confused. You're going to get lost. You're going to get messed up in this kind of thing. And there's others who have snuck in who are already here. And so very often it comes from among, will arise men speaking. Look at this twisted things. They will take a truth that is precious to a Christian and they will twist it and apply it in a twisted, crazy, extreme way. Just here's a general principle. If someone is teaching something that sounds crazy and extreme, it probably is. 
Okay, if they've taken something that you just know has been established principle and doctrine and they twist it for some way to get you to do something or to control you or change your thinking or get you to give them money or something like that, understand there are people who will twist the word of God. Judgment for them is going to be pretty hot. Twisted things to draw away themselves, disciples after themselves. And so they're saying, I want people loyal to me. I want people who follow me. I want people committed to my agenda the, the, the Bible says that we have one great shepherd, and that's Jesus. And those who shepherd the flock are under shepherds. We're caring for the shepherd, the, the great high priest sheep. And, and what we're trying to do is not get them to be disciples of us, not to get them to follow us, not to have loyalty to us, but to have loyalty to Jesus. Not even loyalty to any one specific church. I think you should love your church and be committed and be involved. But at the end of the day, your loyalty is to Jesus and to his church and to his people in the most wonderful way. See, a good shepherd doesn't control you. Doesn't want to create dependency on the shepherd. The good shepherd says things like, hey, you got the Holy Spirit. You can study the scripture for yourself. You can lead. Listen, you don't need me to make that decision or pray that prayer for you because you have the same power in you in Christ Jesus that I have in me. And and it's not that I'm the pastor, I'm the leader, and you're the, the people or the sheep. It's that we're sheep together. We're brothers and sisters, and, and the whole idea is that we're all disciples after Christ, but twisted people twist, twist things in the most horrible way. Now, the Apostle Paul had this letter, this problem in 2 Corinthians, right? So we've been studying the book of 2 Corinthians. One of the main problems we're having in Corinth is these false teachers have shown up, and they're speaking against Paul. They're causing confusion, and it seems to be that the main heart of the false teaching is one that we still have today, It's the false teaching of prosperity. That is to say they were coming in and they're saying, you know, you shouldn't listen to that Paul because all that happens to him is hardship and suffering. And he seems to think that that's important and and that God uses that somehow. But what we, these false teachers say, we want you to understand is that when you listen to our teaching and you pray our way and you give to our things, well, that will mean that you'll get blessed. It will mean that you will be favored. It means that you can have this spiritual force thrown around you and things won't hurt. You can name it, you can claim it, whatever. And so Paul is writing against that. Now, he's going to speak specifically to the Corinthians about these false teachers. And I should just warn you about this verse. This verse drips with sarcasm. Okay? Drips with sarcasm. Okay, let me show you. He says, he says to the church in Corinth, he says, For you gladly bear with fools. He said, These foolish false teachers... It says, you bear with them, being wise yourself. You're so wise yourself. And here's one of the dangers, is that a false teacher will isolate you so that you're only listening to them. Now, this is true of a manipulative person in general. I've actually seen this in dating relationships. People start dating, and they will isolate a person from every other person in their life. And, and pretty soon they just have a kind of control over them. So he says, being wise in yourself, you've pretty much got your own opinion inside yourself. You're not asking other people, not getting accountability. Nothing's open. Decisions aren't made by a group. They're made by an individual. Being wise in yourself, for you bear it if someone makes slaves of you. See, false teachers want to own you. They want to control you. They want to take from you, devouring you, taking the best parts of you and using them selfishly or take advantage of you. They put on airs about who they are and how much they love you and how great they are or strike you in the face or even do physically harmful things. He said, these are what these false teachers are going on. And here comes the sarcasm. He says, to my shame, the apostle Paul says, I must say we were too weak for that. 
Because one of the things the false teachers were saying about the Apostle Paul is that his words are weak and his teachings are weak and he's sickly and he's weak. And what he's basically saying, you know, all these false teachers who are hurting you and taking from you and controlling you, said, my fault, I'm too weak to do that kind of thing to you. And so he's, 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 he's being sarcastic there. And he's saying to them, there's got to be a better way. Now, now I've talked, uh, these verses are about, about wolves that are in sheep's clothing. Let me show you three species of wolves. And if you've been in an environment, a religious environment, where people have taken the precious faith and used it to control you or twisted you and manipulate you, you will recognize some of this. The first one is a false teacher. A false teacher is a teacher who warps one of the major doctrines or practices of the Christian faith. Now, I'm not talking about minor points of subdivided doctrine that different churches disagree on, okay? I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about, like, the Apostles' Creed. The stuff that was established on the blood of martyrs thousands of years ago. See, there's a myth in the evangelical church. The myth is that, you know what, I got the Holy Spirit in my Bible, so I can just look and I can just believe whatever I want. But, well, here's the problem with that, is, is you can get way off. When I look at the Bible, I remember, because of church history and because of theology, that there are thousands and millions, really, of people who have studied that and have debated that. And over the years, thousands of years, the theology of the church, and maybe theology, I'm talking about the divinity of Christ and the trustworthy of the Bible, salvation by grace through faith, all these things, they have been established. And for me to come along, Paul, you know, in 2019, and say, you know what, I think I'm smarter than all of them. I think I've got some kind of line to the Holy Spirit that's better than them. And so I'm just going to throw away major doctrines because I don't like them or I'm uncomfortable because some other kind of thing like that. Listen, that is an arrogant thing to do. And a false teacher will find some teaching. And very often they will throw it out. Very often they will twist it. Very often they will tweak it. They will sensationalize it to create some buzz, to create a following. That's why what we believe in our theology a good church, you, you should be able to go to a good church on their website. You should be able to find their statement of faith really quick. This is what we believe. This is who we are. This is what we stand on. And, you know, it should look a lot like the Apostles' Creed. It should look like the very things that the martyrs gave their lives for. Because they said, this is what was handed down to us from the apostles and from Jesus. A false teacher will casually throw around those truths in an arrogant way that they have some kind of divine revelation. And maybe it's because they've got the characteristics of the second wolf. And that's a false prophet. Now, these folks are particularly dangerous. This is someone who claims a special relationship or ability to hear God and to speak for God. Now, this is the person who comes and says, you know, here's the thing. You, you need to understand. I hear from God in a way you don't hear from God. I have understanding you don't have. I am a, a special, and sometimes they'll say, I'm a special apostle, or I'm a special prophet. And you know what? I, I just hear things, and when I hear them, you need to receive them as though God is speaking to you. And, and I might tell you vague, general things that are hard to understand, but I might tell you very specific things. God told me you're not supposed to take that job. God told me you're not supposed to marry that person. God told me you're supposed to do this. God told me this. God told me this. God told me this. You know in the Old Testament what would happen if a prophet said God said something and a person did it and it didn't happen? You're supposed to stone them. We're in the New Testament, so we can't do that. All right, so I looked it up. It's against the law still, so. But you want to. Because here's the deal. People who love Jesus and the word of God, you want to know God's will. 
And when people come and twist that, it just makes me mad. We have prophets every now and folks grow up and they say, hey, I'm a prophet. And they want to sit down and talk to me and say, hey, I just want to know I'm a prophet and the Lord has a word for me. I say, well, I just want to hear from the Lord. What, what, what is the word? And very usually they'll say some obscure thing and metaphorical thing. And I, and I just honestly, these folks, the first thing I want to say is, I don't know what that means. So pray that God sends someone else who can explain that to me. Okay, because I don't know what the heck you're talking about. Okay, I'm kind of short, honestly, with a lot of these folks. So the second thing I want to ask you is, who are you accountable to? So I'm not in a church. I'm to all the churches, and I have no accountability. God just speaks to me. I said, well, that's going to make me not listen to you. Because the Bible actually says, even in the Old Testament, that the school of the prophets was subject to the prophets. That is to say, if you had one prophet saying something and no one else says it, well, you shouldn't listen to that person. That there were prophets who came, people who declared the word. Not to mention, we have the word of God. And so anything a prophet says that contradicts with this book shouldn't be listened to. We have a much clearer standard now. And so very often I'll say to a prophet, you know, okay, well, you've told me this thing. I'm going to ask you to do something to me. I'm going to ask you to pray that God gives me two other independent sources. That if I'm supposed to listen to this, people who have nothing to do with you, don't know you, they'll come and they'll just speak. Sometimes God speaks. And then then I say to him, the other thing you should know is that we do have prophets in our church. And for us, what a prophet looks like is a godly person who is under authority and and has community and is a healthy person who prays, who loves me and loves the church and loves Jesus. And every now and again, they come to me and say, Paul, I just think this is something I've been praying about. And and I just want you to think, I think that maybe God wants us to do this or or God is saying some of this. And, and, And I listen to that. Because these are people who have history of clearly loving the church and loving the people of God. But when, when, when you get a person who says, listen, you are now dependent on me to hearing from God. Man, th- that's not a healthy thing. That's a dangerous thing. You are giving a control that God does not want. The Bible says that because of the blood of Christ, all of us can boldly go into the throne room of God. And we can receive from God. We can learn from God. Now, God gives us teachers and, and people to give us insight. But we are the people who can go to God directly. There's no one between us and God except Jesus. And so that's the relationship. So false prophets, particularly dangerous folks. The third is an unethical leader. This is the third kind of wolf. And this is a leader with good theology, okay, including they don't claim any kind of special relation. They very often teach from the Bible. They very often teach from the Bible really well really clearly. They very often teach from the Bible in a way that's insightful, that will change lives, okay? But they have unethical or abusive behavior. Now, there's some folks who just are like that because they're warped. They're, 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 they're just evil folks, guys. The Bible tells us there's evil folks out there. And, and there's others who do it because they have childhood trauma in their life where they had to survive something horrible and they had to manipulate to survive and they never learned how to quit manipulating, and they never dealt with that stuff. And, and maybe they actually came to the church and they found a great deal of healing, but not the deep healing of going past that. And because they were talented, because they had ability, they were put in positions. And eventually they moved up and up, and they're unethical leaders. The other example is a really good leader who's been a really good leader for a long time, but they just did what I said. They got unhealthy. They, they stopped taking care of themselves. They worked too much. They did too much. They got too important. They isolated themselves. They didn't have good accountability structures. They didn't have a board with teeth. You know what I mean with a board of teeth? A board of people who govern a church who have the ability to fire you. Have the ability to ask about your life. That's one thing I love about our church is we have an amazing group of overseers. And I got to tell you, the particular crop of overseers we have right now are super nosy which is exactly what you want. They asked me about my personal life. 
They, they will ask me about any kind of sexual impropriety, about what I might be looking at on the internet. They, they'll ask me, you know, questions uh, about, about financial dealings. And, and you know, I, I don't go near counting the offering or managing the money or anything like that. We have safeguards and protections against those kinds of things. I, they, they ask me questions. You know what they'll do sometimes? They'll go and ask my wife how I'm doing. <laughs> Nosy. But these brothers will come to me in their times. They'll come to me and they'll say, you know what? I think your attitude's wrong about this towards that person. You know what? That message you gave, it didn't sound like that was a little bit about you. I had an overseer, you know, come and just say, you know what? You need some time off. Because you, you, you're doing that thing where you get tired and then you get grumpy and then you get sarcastic. And then you start becoming a not fun person to be around. So they send me to Canada, which was awesome. There's no fish left. I got them all. <laughs> all right? But this is healthy stuff. It's accountability because, hey, listen, we just had a slurry of great men of God with amazing churches that have served some of them for 30 or 40 years who have fallen to ethical scandals. One, a financial debacle. Another, abusing his staff. Another, a, a sexual uh, deal that happened. And, and these were good people who got unhealthy. And every, they're writing books about it. Every one of them saying, you know, this is what happened. I got unhealthy. I didn't, didn't take my time. I, I didn't take it myself spiritually. I was there for everybody else, but not there for myself. My family fell apart. And, and it was not just one day they woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to start doing things unethically. You drift into that. And, and if you don't understand that, and listen, this is not just the church, right? You, you, you should know when you need some time, because this can be family, business, whatever, unethical leaders are the third characteristics. And what they do is they warp the gospel. The gospel we've been saying throughout Corinthians is the good story of the life, passion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is precious, and false teachers warp it, they use it, and they destroy it in people's lives. One of the things that's been really true about our church is this has been a church where a lot of people spiritually have been able to come. They've kind of limped in here, maybe being part of another abusive environment. And they come in and they said, in the last church they said we need to do and we need to work and we need to give and we need others. And you know what I say to people when they come like that? They say, just hang out. You know, don't sign up for any serve. Just hang out. You know, it just, just take some time to be. And it sounds like you've been through a lot. We want to just help you try to make sense of that and, and just understand that we just love you and this is okay for you to shelter for a while. And, and, and you can see the, 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 the deer in the headlights looks very often like, well, you don't have to do anything here. You don't have to earn the love. You don't have to you don't have to try to control. It's a different thing because this is what the gospel does. It gives freedom. It empowers people when we apply it in proper ways. So the big question we want to ask, how can we identify false teachers, prophets, and leaders? A couple characteristics. Let me go through these kind of quickly. The first is they, um, uh, I'm sorry, let me show you this first. All right. This is the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. This is the kind of leadership you're looking for. Okay, the Apostle Paul is responding to those false teachers, right? And this is what he says. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, having this ministry of mercy of God. So Paul knows that he receives the mercy. He does everything by the mercy of God. We do not lose heart, even though there's false teachers. Look at this. He says, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. And so this is a person who says, I'm not going to be manipulative. I'm going to be open. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent. We're going to be real. We're going to have real structures of accountability. When people ask questions, we're going to celebrate that. You know, one of the things you always need to do is question your leaders. Any leader that doesn't allow questions is not a good leader. And especially if they say, how dare you, or you're the problem, or, or they blame you, or they divert you. And, and many bad leaders will do this. They'll, they'll, they'll hear your question, they'll act like they care, and then they'll go over here and say, you know what so-and-so said? And then and they'll isolate that person. That's the kind of manipulative, twisted stuff 
That's, that's, that's just not allowed for the Apostle Paul. He goes on. We refuse to practice cunning. The word there is manipulation. Strategy to outwit people, to control people. Cunning or to tamper with God's word. There will be people who will take a verse here and a verse here and they will twist it. And, and sometimes, listen, these false prophets, they know their Bibles. And they will quote and they will quote. And if you don't know as much, you say, I don't know the Bible. They know the Bible overwhelming what the heck is this? But they will tamper with the word of God. They use it like a club. They use it to beat people. They use it in a horrible way. It just frustrates. It gets me mad. But we, by open, by open, by open... What's the process? What's the governance? What's the theology? How are things done? When there's a problem, how is it handled? By open statements of truth. Okay, we are about what's the truth. Okay, what's honest? If a leader makes the mistake, they apologize for it. They own it. They make it right. What's the truth of what's going on? You know what I do when I get one of those letters from some of you folks? uh, Tell me I'm a horrible person. I get letters like that every now and again. That I'm horrible. I did this or this sort of thing. The first thing I do is I send it right to my board. And I send it to him and say, here's what you know. This accusation has been made against me. This thing has been said about me. And you guys need to look into it. Because if it's true, you need to do something about it. And, and, and the responsibility is for them to take it seriously. I never just tuck it in my drawer. I never just try to handle it. I never, I, I say, this is something that's got to be taken seriously. And I'm going to give it to the folks who hold me accountable. Because they believe in open statements of truth. They believe it's their job both protect you and to protect me. And to do the right thing. So through open statements of truth, we would commend ourselves. That is, he's not saying we're so great. He's saying, we're just, here we are. Here we are. We're open. What do you see that you could say, well, that or that or that? What, what, what would you, you see? Because, because good, good trees produce good fruit. And so he says, we would hold ourselves up. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. Do your conscience saying that this is right, this is good. Very often, you should never ask a person to go against their conscience, by the way. Uh, a person's conscience will come back, and, and a false teacher, and, 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 and you'll hear it's just something bothering you. You bring it up, and you're shamed, or you're pushed down, or some other thing, and, and, and you just can't bring it up. You just can't put it up. You should listen to your conscience in the sight of God. Because the same Holy Spirit that speaks to me and any teacher speaks to you. And you should do it respectfully and godly in a good way and not to, to build yourself up, but rather to say, I just, I just need to get an answer to this, this thing. And you should be in environments where it's okay to ask those kinds of questions. You know, one of the characteristics of an unhealthy environment is good, strong people start to leave. Good, strong people start to leave. People who would question and they didn't get the answer and they got vilified, they're, if they're healthy, they're just going to say, okay, all right, this is not a safe place. And then what becomes left are people who just agree with the leader. That's when it gets really twisted, really unhealthy, really dangerous, really unhealthy thing. When a wolf is looking like a sheep, let's talk about these, they claim a new and special revelation rather than established doctrines and practices. One time, Pearson came to the church and said, hey, do you do any new relevant teaching? And I said to him, no, I just do old stuff. I do the stuff that the church has been doing for about 2,000 years. That's the stuff I'm working on. So if you're looking for a fresh take on theology, it's probably heresy, by the way, you know, okay? But I do old stuff, and, and that's what we're supposed to be doing. Claim special or exclusive relationship with God. That is to say, I hear God in a way you don't. If you really want to hear God, you got to come to me. You know what? You hear me say this all the time. You know, you come and you say, God really speaks when you speak. When I hear your sermons, I feel like God's speaking to me. And I say, that's great, and I'm glad, but has he spoke to you in the middle of the week? Because what happens is, is I'm digging a well to hear from God to get living water. You should drink you should dig your own well. You should cut out the middleman and go right to God. I don't want people loyal to me. I want them loyal to Christ. I don't want them committed to me. I want them committed to Christ. Because, because that's, 
I'm, I'm not what you need, all right? So there's a third thing. Claim special authority without accountability. Accountability is super important in the church. We, we, we support probably, I don't know, different 40 different missionaries, mission groups, as well as our, our international and home mission boards, um, over 5,000 missionaries all over the country. We get hundreds of requests for people to support. But here's the thing we, we do. We look for many things, but they have to have the theology that's compatible with ours. They have to be promoting the gospel. And one of the big things is they have to have a good structure board of accountability. Because there's a whole lot of people who want to start something, and it's a good idea, but they don't have a good plan. Or they have a good idea, and they have a good plan, but they don't have anybody holding them accountable. And so if there's not a real board, real governance, real organization that we can trust, well, we just say that's a dangerous thing. Because leadership will work against your health, particularly when you're starting something new. Okay? I started a church. I get that. They created a dependency on them for access to God. That's another characteristic. Another characteristic is they isolate you from other Christians and other Christian churches. So this is the clown, the person, the fool. Paul called him clown. I'll call him clown. All right, the clown who comes and says, somehow or another, all these other churches are wrong. Okay? And we are the only ones. We, 50 or 60 people here in 2019, finally got Christianity right. Wow, are you lucky to be here, okay? And when you can isolate from other teachers, other Christian churches, that's a bad thing. Some people come to me and say, hey, I listen to podcasts from other pastors, like they're checking if that's okay. And I usually say, well, who are you listening to? And I'll say, oh, that one's great. I'll listen to that one too. And listen to that one. Listen to others. Get a second opinion, all right? Go out there and, and listen and, and, and learn. Um, uh, a false teacher will manipulate you for personal or financial gain. It, this is so sickening on television and with the prosperity teachers, $60 million planes, and, you know, if you're sick, send your seed faith of money in, and we'll send you a prayer club, that kind of stuff. It's just not cool. They manipulate financial gain, create fear and insecurity about your standing with God, so that if you question them, they start questioning your spirituality. Well, maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you haven't prayed enough. Maybe you're not right with God. Maybe, and they never speak to your concern. They never even consider the fact that they might be the problem. They immediately manipulate it back so that you're going, wow, this person who's in charge and knows all this stuff thinks that maybe I messed up. Oh my gosh, maybe I should just be quiet. It's it's a horrible form of manipulation. You see, they seek to control personal issues in your life. Whenever they start talking to you about, hey, who should you marry, or where you should work, or how you should give, or some specific thing in your life, that they're coming and saying, thus saith the Lord. Now, that's different than a person who comes and says to you, hey, you know, I just don't know what's going on, but you seem to be in this dating relationship. It doesn't seem to be a good thing. Can we talk about that? That's different, okay? The other person says, listen, you're supposed to marry this person. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to come here. You're supposed to sign up for this. You're supposed to go on this trip. That is something you should be listening to the Holy Spirit about. You have another example of a wolf that acts like a sheep. They make accusations about other good spiritual leaders, particularly other strong leaders within your church or your movement. And that's why strong leaders leave. They just say, this is not a safe place, and I got to get out of here. And so they go away, and then a, a, a really manipulative person surrounds themselves with weak people who just agree with them. Blatant hypocrisy in behavior and inconsistent as a Christian. And this is one of the ones about uh, uh, a, a um, unethical leader. That very often what will happen is you'll have someone, and they'll start a movement, and they'll get this sense of feeling entitled. And they'll say, you know what, not only do I hear from God in the same way, the same rules don't apply to me as to them. And so I can take this money, or I can have this immoral affair, or I can look at this stuff, or I can speak a certain way. One of the characteristics, you know, the Bible says, from the mouth, from the, mouth the heart speaks. I'm amazed how many 
uh, these pastors will use some of the most vile, swearing, and, and horrible language. It can express itself in degrading people, abusing staff, abusing people, tearing people down, having this horrible cynicism about other churches and other people. When, when that behavior starts coming, which is a blatant hypocrisy that's inconsistent with the clear teachings of Scripture, I mean, that's one of the indications. Because again, bad trees, diseased trees, bring forth toxic stuff. So it's just a matter of time till you start seeing it, till you start recognizing it, okay? When these things start flying up, listen to your instincts, listen to your heart, and talk to other people. Maybe you're outside the movement and saying, this is what I'm seeing. And, and if there's not a pathway to speak to it, to question it within the organization, probably not a safe organization. And it may be, maybe even it's not a terribly toxic organization, if it doesn't address that time eventually, it's just a matter of time so the leader gets to a bad place. You see, I understand this firsthand because I've been the leader who, you know, had success and people quit questioning them and just went on and, and, and you get to a point where you just burn out. And when you're burnt out, you just, you just say things and do things and, and, and it's just not right. It's not who you want to be. You see, that's why it all comes back to asking the question, you know, what does it look like to be a healthy person, be a healthy leader. So what could be some next steps for us coming out of a message like this? It's kind of a grown-up message, right? This is a serious message. Well, one may be, you know what, just giving yourself permission to ask questions. Maybe you're in a work environment, a church environment. Maybe you got questions about here at Jacob's Well. We love that. We love that. And you just want, I want to ask about this. I want to ask about that. I want to talk about this. And, and to understand that very often the Spirit of God will speak to you. And, and maybe you're in a work environment or some other kind of thing. Maybe it's a family dynamic where you might need to keep some distance between some family members who maybe, you know, are not healthy, you know, something like that. So, so giving yourself permission. We've got three books in the bookstore that would help you. One on spiritual abuse, one on boundaries, one on safe people. There's another book that I want to recommend, and this is the second group who could take a next step, and that's anybody here who's a leader. Please hear me. If you are a leader, and especially if you're a good leader, if you're a powerful and effective leader, if you get unhealthy, you have a lot of authority, if you get unhealthy, you get dangerous. And you may say, I would never, I could never. Yes, you could. Yes, you would. And so for you, it looks like, wow, what does that look like? Well, there's a book called, there's a book called um, The Dark Side of Leadership. And what it does is it causes the leader to do an inventory and say, okay, what's my back against the wall? What am I like when I'm stressed? How do I isolate? Who's in my life? Who speaks truth to me? And these kinds of questions, because here's the deal. Spider-Man was right. With great power comes great responsibility. And, and so, so you've got to lead yourself first to lead others well. Do you hear what I just said? So some of you know you're at a vulnerable point. You're, you're coming to the end of a school year, or you're coming at a difficult time out of tax season, or, or you're a spiritual leader in one of the great ministries that partner with us here, and you know you're, you're close to the edge. Maybe you need to come talk to someone, care pastor, or, or one of your, your people in your environment. You say, I don't have anybody like that. Well, then you need to come talk to one of our care pastors, and we'll talk to you about what would a healthy pattern be. Okay. Now, the third group I want to talk to is very simply this. If you've been here, and every bit of this message is something you knew but it's just so clarifying because you've been in an abusive environment. I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that happened. I'm sorry that people who represented Jesus Christ in the church did that to you. Uh, that is breaking my heart. It's breaking Jesus' heart. And I, I want to let you know, the Bible says, anyone who would teach in the church is going to face double judgment. That is to say, they're going to be judged for their own life and their own conduct, but they're also judged for the teaching that they brought and how people responded for that. 
Was their teaching life-giving? Was it pointing to Jesus? Was it good? Was it godly? And they will stand before God and they will give an account for that. Now, if you're here and you're saying, you know what? This is stirring up some things. I thought I was pastor. I'm not. Maybe for you, it's time to read that book on spiritual abuse. Maybe for you, it's time to meet with somebody and tell them your story. This is what happened. This is what it's hurt. Maybe for you, you're brokenhearted because you know there's someone out there who used to love Jesus, used to love the church, but they've been hurt and now they're just drifting out there. Maybe you're going to pray for them. Maybe you today, this has just kind of triggered something and you're going to go to the prayer room after service, whether you're here, down in the theater, right by the curtain over there. There's some folks who just meet with you, hear some of your story and pray with you because this is a serious deal. Jesus said, beware of this. Be, be smart about this. Be, be, be on top of it. He said, I just need more about this. There's books. There's a step that you could take so you would understand more deeply how to recognize these false teachers. So let's pray together. Father God, we come to you this morning and we thank you so much for your church. When she is at her best, she is beautiful and she is bold and she is powerful. She frees slaves. She declares salvation. She starts hospitals. She starts schools. She works for justice. But there are times when a church can get sick and get disease, can get unhealthy. A leader can get to a bad place. Maybe because they've been through trauma. Maybe because they're just evil folks. Maybe because they're good people who just got tired overwhelmed. Father, we would just pray in Jesus' name that you'd give us wisdom to understand this dynamic. We would pray that you would protect your church. We would pray for any person here today who's carrying scars because of that. We'd pray that your Holy Spirit would even now begin to do the work of healing that they might be able to trust again. We would pray, Father, for every leader in this room, whether they're a political leader or a governing leader or an education leader or a coach or a parent or a business leader, Pray in Jesus' name that all of us, in a very sober way, would recognize that we have an obligation to lead ourselves and that we, under Christ, are just shepherds. No matter what aspect of life we're talking about, we're shepherds of people who are precious to you, God. So, Father, I just thank you that you are a God who just gives such clarity in your scripture about these things, that we might be protected from this evil, this evil thing of false teachers. And we just lift all these things up in Jesus' name. Amen.